Hear the word of the Lord from Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 to 21. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is justified not by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And we have come to believe in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by doing the works of the law, because no one will be justified by the works of the law. But if, in our effort to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have been found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. But if I build up again the very things that I once tore down, then I demonstrate that I am a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if justification comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Yeah, I'm moving down on the floor this morning. I know, that's different. Take a risk. Um, and I know I have learned that we're not always an um, overly responsive group to, to what I, the pastor might say. Um, but I'm asking for your help this morning. I'm going to ask questions and they're not going to be rhetorical questions. They're actually going to be questions uh, for response. Um, and so uh, I hope that you'll just kind of yell out some answers to some questions here in a moment. Over the next four weeks, we're going to be taking a look at um, what the Church of the Brethren, uh, which is uh, a big, bigger expression of the church that Spring Creek is a part of, uh, what the Church of the Brethren is calling their compelling vision. This is part report. For those of you that have been part of Spring Creek, part of the Church of the Brethren for a long time, uh, maybe in the last couple of years you've heard something about this compelling vision. You know what annual conference is. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. For those of you who have no idea what Church of the Brethren means um, or compelling vision, you're just new uh, here to Spring Creek, I want you to know a little bit of the movement of followers of Jesus that Spring Creek is a part of, that we are not kind of our own, uh, we're not by ourselves. We are part of a, a larger group of folks that are seeking to follow Jesus and um, live that out in everyday life. And so we're a part of this, this collective group called the Church of the Brethren. And so that's a little bit of why we're going to be doing this in this series. We're going to take uh, four weeks to look at uh, two sentences. Uh, and split this up into a couple of phrases. And, and what's neat about this compelling vision statement, that's what it's being called, is that there's a, a lot of ways that Spring Creek is already trying to live into this, trying to work together in this, how it is uh, kind of already before it was voted on and all that kind of stuff. Um, something that we believe in and something that we're trying to uh, live out here. So here's this compelling vision. Uh, I think in your bulletin somewhere, there's a, a website that you can go to for more information. Um, if you want to 
get more details about what was all involved in creating this statement and, and the number of years and the number of people that uh, were a part of this process, you can go check out all of that. I'm not going to um, burden you with that extra information uh, here this morning. But here's this statement. It says, together as the Church of the Brethren, together this group, we will passionately live and share the radical transformation and holistic peace of Jesus through relationship-based neighborhood engagement. To move us forward, we will develop a culture of calling and equipping disciples who are innovative, adaptable, and fearless. We try not to use too much insider language here at Spring Creek because uh, we realize that some folks here are, are born and bred brethren. And you've been a part of this movement your entire lives and you don't know, some of you don't know anything else. I'll throw myself kind of in that, in that group. And yet some of you um, are hired in, married in, uh, just happen to be here. Um, and and uh, that is a wonderful thing. It's a great thing uh, that you are a part of this community of faith and that we're uh, learning to follow Jesus together. Um, but I do want you to know that at Spring Creek here in Hershey, we're attempting to follow Jesus the best we know how, and we're part of this larger group of folks called the Church of the Brethren. Uh, if you're not familiar with what that means, it is... Um, to use some historic terms, it's an Anabaptist pietist group. You can go look, you can go Google those terms later, uh, find out what that means. Uh, it's a group of folks that emerged out of the 1700s in Germany, uh, and their central focus, and this has kind of remained true, is on the life, teachings, death, and resurrection of Jesus as revealed in Scripture. And we believe that Jesus is the climax of the biblical story that the, the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, and the New Testament are, are all focused in on Jesus. Jesus is, is what the, the Hebrew Bible is looking forward to. And, and we have the Gospels that tell us the, the life and the story of Jesus. And then the rest of the New Testament is, is Paul and, and Peter and some others looking back and saying, what does this mean for our lives moving forward? But Jesus is at the center of it. And so we are people of the word of God, that is Jesus. Uh, some of the things that distinguish this group, uh, they believe that church or, or following Jesus was a voluntary commitment made by a person of their own choosing. It was a, a joining with the mission of the kingdom of God and separate from any kingdom of the world. And so, um, you know, one of the American ideals is separation of church and state. Well, before that was the case, uh, the Anabaptists uh, were, were strong believers in that separation of church and state. Um, some of the key ways that this group has tried to live out these commitments are peace. Peace between individuals and God. Uh, peace between individuals, between in our relationships with our, with our families, those around us. Um, and that includes uh, peace and wholeness as a way of living. It, looks, it means looking for alternatives to violence and, and looking at ways of restorative justice. Another key feature of this group, key belief, is nonconformity or, or simplicity, which means attempting to break from the patterns of the world centered on materialism and rampant individualism. 
Another key feature is togetherness or community. We believe the will and word of God are best discerned within the committed community of faith as we listen to the Spirit together. So some of the highlights of what this brethren group is about. There's more to it. There's things like let your yes be yes and your no be no. There's different perspectives on differentiating between church and culture. Uh, we have things like believer's baptism, which means we believe uh, baptized folks that uh, can make a decision for themselves. We do peculiar things like washing feet and having love feasts, sharing a meal together. Um, and we believe in anointing. Some of those things we've uh, been practicing in the last couple of weeks. The phrase that I want to look at this morning is, we will passionately live and share the radical transformation and holistic peace of Jesus Christ. When you hear the word passionately live and share uh, the good news of Jesus, what, what comes to mind? What does that look like for you? This is one of those questions that's not for a rhetorical thought, but maybe for response. What, is it, what, do you, what comes to mind? Passionately live and share. Go ahead, Kathy. Okay, the way she said the way the church was described in the book of Acts, that Acts chapter 2, where we're living together, we're sharing things in common together, we're coming together uh, for um, communion, but shared meals, we're gathering around the word of God, we're worshiping together, and, and this is the center of our life together. Other thoughts, what is it, passionately live? and share. Can you think of someone, uh, go, go, I'm sorry, oh, vac vacation? Okay, so those are ways that we can uh, share our, our passion, our, our uh, life with others around us. In, in Bible school, um, in, you said the food trucks, Sports camp. Can you think of people in your own life who are maybe examples of passionate living? Whatever that passion may be. We, we got we to start looking around. Maybe something that you're passionate about. It doesn't have to be church-related. Uh, I, I used to teach youth, and I would always say, you don't have to give me like the Sunday school answer. You don't have to give me the church answer. It's okay if you're thinking of somebody who's passionate about sports or music or something. You know, what does it look like to live passionately? All right, somebody that's happy no matter what the circumstances are. friend that's passionate about family. And you can tell that, you can, you can see that. Did they ever come to you, Brenda, and say, I'm passionate about family? No. Okay. Oh. 
So, so you can tell. You, they don't have to come out and say it right away. Mike is, uh, is passionate about gardening. If you talk to Mike for very long, gardening is going to come up or something about tomatoes or peppers or um, all kinds of other things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so if you didn't hear that, and for those that are uh, online, um, uh, Michelle was talking about Christine, who helps with Cocoa Packs, and um, she is passionate about serving uh, the children and families uh, that are underprivileged in the Hershey community, and it does not take long to interact with her to feel that passion and enthusiasm uh, for those young people. All right, so we're starting to think about what it looks like to live and share passionately. From um, a, a document that goes along with this um, compelling vision, they, they talk a little bit more about passionately living and sharing. This vision calls us to passionate discipleship requiring us to embody an enthusiastic zeal that glows from within as we live and share with others. Our living should exhibit the vigor of one who is alive in Jesus Christ, thoroughly steeped and guided by the Holy Spirit. The manner in which we live should radiate in our homes and our communities so our good works can be seen and God may be glorified. With the same passion that we live Christ-centered lives, we are called to share generously with our neighbors. Indeed, and by word, what we have experienced ourselves. We share so that our neighbors and our community may participate in the blessing of abundant life in Jesus Christ now and for eternity. So in this description, we, we hear about people a, a little bit like Brenda was saying. It's, it, you just feel it. It radiates from them. You sense that there's, there's a connection, that there's, there's something happening inside them. As they follow Jesus at work, at school, all around them. And we get an opportunity to share with others a little bit of what we've experienced. We're allowed to, uh, welcomed, invited to share the radical transformation. What does radical transformation mean to you? Big words. Shedding your old ways. Being truly human who God created you to be. Um, it, it, which is interesting because so many times in the church, I think um, we've, we've gotten kind of tangled up in this Greek philosophy that says to be human and to be um, flesh is bad. And we need to be um, divorced from that uh, fleshness and, and we need to become just pure spiritual. And, and, and God created all things and created the material world good and created humans and looked down and said, this is very good. And so we're, we're transformed we're to be more and more who God has created us to be. 
Any other thoughts about what radical transformation might look like? Changed from, from an old way of being. Yeah, and that's a process. Um, you know, it, I, I always, you know, when we are talking about baptism, um, you know, some folks think that everything is going to be completely different. You're not going to deal with any kind of brokenness, uh, temptation, anything. When, when we baptize, we do it three times under. Uh, you're getting completely soaked. You're coming up a, a, a new creation, and yet we still struggle. We still, we still deal with, with brokenness, um, and yet we are being transformed daily um, over, over a process of being transformed into the image of Christ. Individuals are transformed. Communities are transformed. Uh, broken systems, broken relationships, creation all things are being made new. That's what uh, Jesus says in Revelation 21.5. The transformation of the cosmos to be the good creation God intended from the beginning. Everything being transformed. Radical transformation occurs only through the work of the Holy Spirit. It is characterized by an all-encompassing, profound change within those who place their full faith and belief in God incarnate as revealed in Scripture, Jesus Christ. This inner transformation manifests outwardly through a life that turns away from the values of a world alienated from God and seeks to understand and embody God's holy values as revealed in Jesus Christ. Lives radically transformed by Jesus Christ become channels for the flow of Christ's powerful grace, unconditional love, and holistic peace in the world around us where the Holy Spirit continues to draw people into radical transform transformation for the glory of God. In other words, we're invited to participate in the transforming work of God that God is doing by being conduits, by being uh, the, the ways that God moves. I'm continually baffled by an all-powerful God who can do anything, who could work in, in any way He wants, and He chooses you and me. A God who could snap his fingers and, and make it all, you know, his will whole and complete, actually chooses to work through you and me and has done it from the beginning. God creates everything and then gives Adam and Eve the, the purpose of continuing to bring order of being fruitful and multiplying and continuing to, to organize and expand this uh, expression of, of God's creative reign. And just because Adam and Eve screwed up and you and I screw up, God continues to work and move through us. Through, through 12 disciples who are a, you know, a ragtag group of misfits who are fishermen and outcasts and, and tax collectors and all kinds of reasons why they're not the right people for the job. 
And yet Jesus chooses them and says, you follow me. You learn to do what I'm doing. You go and take this message to all the corners of the earth. God that invites us to work through us. We're invited to be transformed, but we're also to invited to, to share the holistic peace. Uh, what comes to mind when you hear holistic peace? Peace that passes all understanding. Inner peace. So peace that happens in our hearts, peace that's happening in our lives as we're, we're being formed into the image of Christ. So, so sharing our abundance and, 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 and just that, that abundance thing is a part of, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the Hebrew Bible word is shalom, which, which we often translate as peace. Um, but I, in, in my English speaking mind, peace just doesn't quite fit all of what shalom is about. Uh, shalom is about peace, but it's about wholeness and, and abundance and, and sharing together in a, in a whole life. And so I, I'm, I'm glad that we've picked this word. Um, if you've spent much uh, time around the Church of the Brethren, you know we talk about peace in all kinds of different ways. Um, often it, it's related to um, international conflict. That's a lot of what we talk about. And that is certainly an aspect of peace. It absolutely is. And I'm thankful for being a part of a group of people that, that also thinks in those terms. But peace is more than that. It is a part of our inner life. It is a, a part of our sharing our, our abundance, sharing God's abundance with those around us. It's about interpersonal relationships. It, it, it's, a, it's about uh, you know, this whole life that's in tune with God. And, and, and working at resolving conflict. It's not just about you know, gathering around the campfire. And look, I love campfires. And growing up at church camp, we would sing Kumbaya. But it's more than that. Peace is more than that. It's harder than that. And yet we believe it is the way of Jesus. We believe it's what Christ calls us to, to be working at restoring relationships and, and, and sharing that abundance and, and seeking new ways of resolving the conflicts that we have in our world. 
We see glimpses in wholeness when we care for the poor in ways that help them out of the pit and see God's abundance. We see glimpses of this peace when we work uh, with those around us uh, that maybe we have conflict with. We catch glimpses when nations work cooperatively with other nations and seek the best even for those that are called enemies. Seek peace, this holistic peace, is to help others learn about Jesus and become his disciples, is to participate in shalom, to work to transform conflict, whether between individuals or nations, is to participate in shalom. To directly address mental health issues is to participate in shalom. And to care for God's creation that has been entrusted to us is to participate in God's shalom. It's, it's big. God's wholeness, God's, God's vision for the world, for, for all creation is big. We experience this wholeness through Jesus Christ. Jesus is our Redeemer, our Teacher, and Lord. As our Redeemer, through God's extension of grace and our repentance, Christ's redemption delivers us from sin, from, from the brokenness in our own lives, and the brokenness around us, the sin that we've done, that we've knowingly done, the ways we've knowingly turned from God, and the ways that we're just kind of going along with the flow and don't realize the harm that sometimes we cause, that we're not aware of. Our redemption through Christ restores our broken relationship with God and our neighbors. We also follow Jesus as our teacher, Jesus' words, deed, and examples are recorded in Scripture. They're recorded in, in the New Testament, teaching us how to live in reconciled relationship with God and our neighbors. We believe Jesus' teachings and lived example matter. Recently, uh, in some of our, our worship services, we've been um, affirming our faith in words that have been recited by the church for a long time, since roughly somewhere in the 400s AD. It's a statement that some folks call uh, the Apostles' Creed. Uh, if you've been around the, the Church of the Brethren you, for long, you know we kind of have this thing about creeds. And so we're just affirming faith. We're saying words that uh, the church has proclaimed for a really long time. Um, but I will say that within that statement, we've added our own lines or added in some lines that are especially important to us. As we say, as we affirm our faith, there's one line that we've been including, which says, he announced and embodied the gospel of the kingdom of God. That Jesus announced it, lived it, and showed us how to live. That, that the death and resurrection of Jesus absolutely matter for our lives, but also the life and teachings of Jesus matter for our lives. That the way he taught us, the parables, the teachings, 
of what the kingdom looks like. Him coming and him, him stooping down to serve, washing feet. Those examples matter. And you and I are called to live in that pattern. We are called not just to affirm an intellectual truth, but to live as Jesus lived. And so we need to reread the gospel accounts to see how Jesus lived. And there's lots of versions of Jesus. Folks uh, in the world, folks even in the church, have lots of different versions of Jesus that I'm convinced look nothing like the Jesus of the New Testament. We need to go back and we need to reread the gospel accounts and see how Jesus lived, see how Jesus acted, see how Jesus treated those around him, see how Jesus treated the sinners, and see how Jesus treated and uh, confronted the religious elites. We need to read those stories again. I've been wrestling with this uh, quote from Voltaire uh, in the last couple of weeks. And he says, In the beginning God created man in, in his own image, and man has been trying to repay the favor ever since. What he's saying is that there's lots of ways that I, probably you, try and make Jesus in a way that we want Jesus to look like. I think for me that means um, I like to make Jesus this guy who wasn't one extreme or another extreme. I like to think Jesus was in the middle of the conflicts of his, his time. Jesus was kind of a, a centered position. But, but when I read it, there, there's some things that Jesus is wholehearted about. Jesus is, shall we say, extreme about. And I need to reread the Gospels to see the things that Jesus was passionate about. And to try and live that in my own life. Jesus is our Redeemer, our Teacher, but Jesus is also Lord. We pledge to Christ alone our loyalty and obedience. All other loyalties are secondary to our commitment to follow Jesus as his disciples. Lord is a, is a word that's kind of been watered down, I think, around us today because there's not a lot of ways we talk about Lord in, in common vocabulary. Sure, in the church we talk about our Lord, we talk about Jesus as Lord, but if you, if you ask, you go to the grocery store and you ask, you know, how would you define Lord, people may have no idea what you're talking about. We don't live in, in England where there's lords and ladies, like that's not vocabulary that we're really familiar with at all, okay? So, so Lord sometimes I don't think impacts us the way that it might have impacted people in the first century. Um, king might come closer. Uh, a number of years ago, uh, a guy named Shane Claiborne wrote a book that was called Jesus for President. What would it look like if, for us to say, Jesus is my president? 
that might come a little closer to what it meant in the first century when the church was going around saying, Jesus is Lord. Because there were other people going around the ancient world saying, Caesar is Lord. And so when the church, this, this ragtag group, was proclaiming Jesus is Lord, they were also kind of saying Caesar's not. Caesar's not what it's all about. And so it was this radical confession of faith. In order for us to live and share the radical transformation and holistic peace of Jesus, we need to do a couple things. We need to be radically transformed. It's a process of spiritual growth or discipleship or formation in the way of Jesus. It's learning, it's reading, it's, it's uh, wrestling with it together, it's being in community together and challenging one another to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, to think in the way Jesus thought, to act in the way that Jesus acted. And if we are truly experiencing Christ's radical transformation in our lives, and if we're catching glimpses of Christ's holistic peace in our own lives, then I hope that the passionately live and share peace will work itself out. We're invited by the God of the universe to participate in the transforming, healing, holistic shalom of the cosmos. And that should get us excited. So many times we come into church and we, you know, just kind of going about our, our routine. And we go back to work and we go about our routine. You are invited by the God of the universe to participate in the transforming work of the world, of the universe. That's big. Um, it's a little frightening sometimes. Give us some, some holy fear. But also an excitement about what we are a part of. And so when you go to work, when you do chores, when you're, when you're going to school, when you're doing that work, when you're learning and growing, it's all an opportunity for us to be using uh, our passions, our gifts, our abilities for the transforming of the world. To do things in a way that is in line with who Jesus is. We're invited into the holy work and bearing witness of the power of the resurrection. The same God, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in those who follow him. Who are following him as redeemer, teacher, and Lord. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll be looking at how we are invited into that transforming work through relationship-based neighborhood engagement and how we're attempting to do that as a group of people here at Spring Creek. 
we're going to look at how we can develop a culture of calling and equipping disciples. To use something we might be familiar with, the church is supposed to be a teaching hospital. Maybe that rings true. Maybe you know something a little bit about that living here in Hershey with the Med Center uh, in our neighborhood. That we're supposed to be about uh, the healing of those weak and wounded neighbors that come. But we're also supposed to be teaching and having a culture of raising up another generation of practitioners of the healing and transforming work of Jesus in the world. And lastly, we'll look at why we need to raise disciples who are innovative, adaptable, and fearless. And maybe ask some questions um, for those of us that are a little less innovative and maybe not great risk takers. What does that mean for us? Does that mean we get left out? It, it does not. It does not mean that we get left out. For me, and I think for the bigger movement of Jesus followers, what we call the church, these are questions about what it means for followers of Jesus to stay relevant to the needs and hurts of the world around us. We're supposed to have our ear open to what's happening in, in the lives of our neighbors and coworkers. But more than being relevant, this is about how we remain faithful to our vocation, faithful to our calling, to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, and to be in the world and make disciples of all nations. And it starts with Jesus the Christ. It ends with Jesus the Christ. Jesus is what it's all about, as our Redeemer, as the one who has come to rescue us and to bring us life abundantly. It starts with Jesus, the Christ, our teacher, the one who shows us how to live in holistic relationship with God and neighbor. It starts with Jesus, the Christ, our Lord, the reigning one who has conquered sin and the grave and who will one day be all in all, who comes to make the entire universe new. May it be so. When you go out into this world to serve God's mission, Remember that it is no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. The life you now live in the flesh, you live by faith in the Son of God, who loves you and gave himself for you. May the grace of God, which daily renews us, and the love of Jesus that enables us to love all others, and the community of the Holy Spirit that unites us into one body, enable and empower you to obey the will of God now and forever. Amen.